1: This is Pop Culture Confidential and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Happy New Everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here again in 2023. And what a better way to start off the year than talking about some of our most anticipated films and shows of the first half of the year. And I can't think of a better, more in-tune film expert to have with me for this. Please welcome the first guest of the year, next Best Pictures, Matt Neglia. Thank you so much for being here and happy new year, Matt.
0: Happy New Year to you and to all of your listeners thank you so much for having me to hear uh having me here today I promise I am going to speak coherently in 2023
1: <laughs> lots of nice holidays and family and you have to get started with the podcasting
0: <laughs> yes yes this is actually uh my first podcast of 2023 that I'm doing so Mine I'm very too. much yeah I'm very much looking forward to the discussion here and it's just great to be back I miss uh I miss speaking with you
1: Oh, me too. Thank you so much. I want to. I want to start talking about 2022. Um, box office was great for some films. I mean, Cruise, uh, Avatar, they crushed it. But in particular, it was tough for certain kind of films, the sort of specialty box office, Oscar, adultish movies. You know that we cover a lot. Talk a little bit about that. What happened, and what do you think is going to happen?
0: Yeah, this is a very loaded question because it's one that I've been thinking a lot about lately, just in terms of the shifting aspects of the industry and uh, watching Babylon, actually, ironically, recently, where that movie is about the original shift in Hollywood from silent to talkies and how everything just needed to adapt to what was happening in the world around it. I think we're going through a very similar transition right now where... I do think that the small independents and anything that's not essentially a commercialized property at this point, uh, they're being pushed out. And I think we've seen this happen over the last couple of years steadily, but the pandemic really accelerated everything. I remember last year when movies like West Side Story, The Last Duel, Belfast, King Richard, movies that we thought could do decent business uh, ended up doing so poorly. And all of us said, oh, well, you know what? It's a transitional year. We're coming out of the pandemic. Totally fine. Look, people want to go see Spider-Man. People are going to go back in 2022. Don't worry. What we saw in 2022 is that audiences did go back to the theater, but they're only interested in going back to the theater for certain types of movies. And as a result of that, I, I am very worried about what the industry will learn from this and what they will do uh, moving forward because I think it's becoming very clear that we're going to probably only see uh, one type of movie in a couple of years time and that's not very exciting Mm -hmm. and it's also not something that I'm looking forward to as someone who likes to be challenged by the art form I don't go to the theater strictly only for comfort food Um, I understand that some people or
1: horror, which is a big was a huge did really well as well. Like the event movies where you go with your buddies and you have popcorn and you have a good time together, which I love to do as well. But uh... right. Like a movie like Tar, for example, which is mm-hmm. an incredibly good Oscar movie with one of the best performances as its center with Kate Blanchett, which I'm sure has a you know semi big budget, has only made around five million worldwide dollars, right. and that's that's not good, right?
0: No, it's not, um, and it's also the sort of thing that, like I said, I think that it's going to become even harder than it is now, and it's hard currently these projects to get financing. You have people like Martin Scorsese and Ridley Scott this year who are going to be releasing their films on streamers because they can't get the financing for the regular studio system. So increasingly, more and more, there are fewer filmmakers, such as Christopher Nolan, Jordan Peele, and even Nope performed below expectations this past year. Who knows what Oppenheimer is going to open up with this upcoming year? I have a feeling that that's not going to do as well. And so... I am nervous about even them who have this kind of clout right now with the studio system that they might uh, lose out. Now, you look at something like Paramount this past year, and everyone's focusing on how much money they're going to lose because of Babylon. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, and of course, no studio ever wants to lose money on any project. But you look at all the other films that they released throughout the year, including Top Gun Maverick, that did perform well. And in the end, they're going to be okay when all is said and done. Could it have been better? Sure, but I'm hopeful that the studios will still continue to greenlight some mid-budget films such as this, uh, but I do think it's going to become increasingly more rare.
1: And how, how long will the streamers be able to afford these bigger auteur movies such as Irishman? How long are they going to be pumping money into that?
0: Well, that's the thing, right? Is that eventually this bubble has to burst, and as and so I, I I do think that what we are going to see instead is we might see a return to norm in the future, maybe where instead of bankrolling two hundred million dollars for a Martin Scorsese picture, maybe he will be forced to have to do something under. Forty million, uh, or you know, any other filmmaker for that matter. uh You know, it, it all depends. I mean, I think Spielberg right now he must be going through an interesting time at the moment with both West Side Story and Fableman's not making the kind of box office that his movies are used to making. And now I the question is up
1: at like twelve million dollars, which is unheard of mm-hmm. for Spielberg.
0: You know, the question then also becomes: Too, are we going to start reporting VOD numbers eventually? I don't know, but it's up for debate because. Some studios will say, oh, well, we made our money back eventually through VOD rental sales. And it's like, well, can you tell us what that is? Because all we have are these theatrical box office numbers. And that's what history is going to refer to and remember. They're not going to remember that you came out and said, oh, it was eventually profitable, you know. And so I I wonder if we'll start seeing that happening because more and more now uh, you're seeing these films uh, get released in theaters for Four weeks, a week, a week. I mean, it might as well be a week. I mean, it just seems like they're on VOD right away in, in a lot of cases. I couldn't believe how quickly uh, Fableman's, you know, was on VOD.
1: And not to mention the big Pixar movies and Disney movies that haven't done well. They haven't been on in theaters at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, there's going to be some exciting things in 2023, we promise. And it'll be interesting to hear <laughs> when we go through some of our anticipated films, which probably both are anticipated films and films that we think the audiences are really anticipating to see how you feel about these trends coming up. Um, I wanted to start with just coming up right now, and that's Megan, the, the horror movie um, starring Alison Wilson, which is a story by the great James Wan, <laughs> who did The Saw for franchise. Um, It's about a robotics engineer at a toy company who builds a real life, life lifelike doll and brings it home and seems to wreak havoc (laughs) on her family. The reason I'm bringing this up is because of what we were just talking about. One of the things that I think may make this a hit is because it was a viral sensation with this little dance number that this robotic doll did just recently when they released a a trailer and footage from it. I think this may be a hit. What do you think?
0: I have a feeling it is going to be a hit, but like a small, modest hit. It won't be dethroning Avatar at the box office. Oh, well, nothing will. (laughs) No, no. But I, I do think it does stand a chance to do Okay. I don't think it's going to do big box office, but I think uh, relative to its budget, it'll it'll do all right.
1: Go ahead. Take some of yours.
0: Um, My mind immediately first goes to Barbie, Greta Gerwig's upcoming feature film. Uh, I loved her previous two movies. They were both in my top 10 in their respective years, Lady Bird and Little Women. So naturally, I'm very, very excited about the prospects for this one. Uh, definitely looks to be um, a more extravagant bigger project from her uh the brief glimpses we saw during the teaser which was a really well constructed teaser might i add i really really love the uh references to 2001 throughout but um you know seeing the uh, brief glimpses of the production design the costumes and margot robbie as the famous barbie uh doll I, i think her her and ryan gosling's casting is just perfect on paper we'll see what the movie ultimately turns out to be but Gerwig, much like uh, Jordan Peele, you know, who released his third feature this year, Robert Eggers, who released his third feature this year, and another filmmaker who I will be talking about this releasing uh, their third feature uh, this year. I think that there is just such goodwill and promise there that uh, I'm ready to dive into anything that she has in store.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Greta Gerwig is one of my favorites. I have a huge hopes that this is going to be just a really interesting feminist look. This take she had in the teaser on Kubrick, it was just amazing. I think this is going to be great. So this is coming in July. and. I just want to back up a little because I want to talk about another female filmmaker coming with a really inventive um, movie in February, and that's Cocaine Bear, which I (laughs) cannot wait for. That's Elizabeth Banks, who's directed. We know her from, she did Charlie's Angels and Pitch Perfect 2, I think, right? She's also an actor, Hunger Games, for example. And she's taking on this movie, based on true events like cops and criminals. And for some reason, 500 pound, a 500-pound bear gets a hold of some lost cocaine and unintentionally digests it, and it goes on a cocaine-fueled rampage. It's Ray Liotta's last film. Carrie Russell's in it, my favorite, Margot Martindale. I can't wait for this one. The trailer looks insane.
0: Yeah, the trailer was, I mean, it took me completely by surprise. <laughs> it definitely looks like a fun time. Uh, I don't know if it'll be anything more than that.
1: Oh, I don't think so either. But we want just a fun time in 2023, I th-
0: yeah yeah snakes
1: on a plane matt it's cocaine bear it's 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 what
0: i i i mean like it's it's one of those things where it's like well what more are you expecting right uh and and i think in that regard i'm primed and ready to have a lot of fun with this um the trailer definitely struck a tone that i found to be most interesting so that that yeah i i'm there it also comes out of my birthday this year so that'll be fun
1: february 24th then
0: february 24th yeah (laughs) pisces woo. Um, Okay, so for me, uh, the next one on my list is uh, actually the new, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's the new M. Night Shyamalan film, uh, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, I saved this one because I think M. Night Shyamalan is extremely inconsistent and very uh, hit and miss for me. It's like as soon as he's on a roll and I get really, really excited about what he's doing, like when Split came out and it actually was connected to the Unbreakable universe, then he had uh, Glass come out and I just really was let down by that movie and really did not like it. Uh, Then he has The Visit thrown in there, which I particularly enjoyed. And then his last movie, Old, once again, headed into it with such expectation. I loved the premise on paper, but oh my God, did I have issues with that movie? That was
1: not, yeah, that was not, especially the sort of second half really didn't work.
0: But now with Knock at the Cabin, I'm watching these trailers that have been put out by Universal. And you got Dave Batista in there, who I think is a very, very fun, fascinating actor to uh, watch grow over the last couple of years. Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, who I particularly liked in Spoiler Alert recently. Um, and I really am intrigued by this premise, as anyone would be by an M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, typically. But uh, there's something about the fact that this is also an adaptation. Uh, so hopefully, you know, there is a strong core story there to... Go off of we, we. I know that hasn't like stopped him before, and he still does his M Night Shyamalan twists and things like that, uh, and puts his own stamp on the material. And if the trailers are withholding certain elements that are going to drive me crazy, like Old, uh, for example, had some cinematography decisions that completely baffled me when I saw the film, uh, and that was nowhere to be found in the trailer. So maybe Knock at the Cabin is also hiding stuff, but I'm very intrigued, and uh, it's definitely one of the ones I'm looking forward to in the first half of the year for sure.
1: He hasn't been able to stick the landing for me in the several of his latest films Mm -hmm. but always welcome him back (laughs) right I want to mention infinity pool Alexander Skarsgård starring in Brandon Cronenberg David's son's new film is infinity pool and um, he seems to be liking dad's themes I'd like to see those dinner conversations they had growing up because this also seems to have a lot of those subculture hedonistic type themes Mia Goth is in it who is an absolute star. I mean, she's already broken through with, you know, Pearl and X and things, but I think she's just going places and anything new she comes up with. So that's that's something I'm looking forward to.
0: I'm also really excited about that one because uh that's one that I'll be seeing at Sundance. And then when Sundance is over and, and I get back from it, uh that's actually going to be our podcast review because it comes out that following weekend. So I'm um, just looking forward to that being one of the titles that Uh, myself and the team talk about uh, relatively quick in 2023 Uh, okay so for me in looking at the first half of the year it's actually a lot more uh, stacked than I initially anticipated in terms of yeah like I expected there to be blockbusters but I want to talk about one movie in particular that I saw back at TIFF uh, that is actually going to be getting a release and that's called Chevalier uh, this is uh, directed by Stephen Williams, and it is starring uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., who I think is one of the most talented young actors working today. In it, he plays uh, a real-life uh, French-Caribbean musician, Joseph Ballone, um, who is a Black man that is in the high court of um, of Marie Anto- Antoinette and he is a composer, a musician, and he's having to compete with others in high society for this position. Uh, The story actually has a very dark undertone and great atmosphere to it that I was not expecting. There felt like there were real stakes and uh, high drama involved. And I think that Kelvin Harrison Jr. once again is just continuing to show us an incredible amount of range. Yeah, no. And the score for this movie too is really unbelievable um i don't know did you get a chance to see this one i haven't
1: seen it but now i'm intrigued
0: yeah definitely going to be worth it when it comes out uh searchlight has this one
1: let's back up to what you were talking about with these blockbusters john wick chapter four is coming out with keanu i think lots of people are, are looking forward to that we have of course super mario We have several Marvels. Yeah, we have DC. But let's start with Super Mario. I can't say I'm particularly looking forward to it, but there's a lot of talk about the casting of Chris Pratt and lots of people looking forward to this. Matthew Fogel's the writer. Thoughts?
0: Uh, I like the animation style. I think Illumination was perfect for bringing Mario to life. So I particularly like the overall aesthetic and design of the movie from what we've seen in the trailers so far. I think Jack Black sounds really fantastic as Bowser. I think Charlie Day is a great Luigi. Anya Taylor-Joy seems like she's perfectly cast as Peach as well. Like I hear these actors' voices coming out of these characters' mouths, and I'm like, yes. You know who I don't say that for? Freaking Mario. (laughs) <laughs> like chris pratt is just i i don't get it and i don't understand because at the end of the day it, it's he chris pratt is not on screen it's his voice so you could theoretically cast anyone you you could have had an unknown as yeah, mario don't
1: have anyone in the press
0: tour for the kids, <sighs> for the kids i mean is the press tour
1: I'm just trying to grasp for straws here. I have no idea either. But yeah. I guess Chris Pratt is a huge name with Guardian. He's coming out with Guardians of the Galaxy three, also, which is another
0: one I'm actually really looking forward to. Might I add? Um, I'm a I'm a pretty big Guardians fan, and uh, I, I'm excited for seeing that being potentially the final film uh, with these characters. I knowing it knowing the MCU, probably not, but at least James Gunn's for quite a while now
1: becoming the boss of man of marvel he might not have time DC. to direct or dc sorry Um yeah. he might not have time to do these things anymore
0: no and that's why uh um I, I mean i'm hoping that he can go out with a bang with this one and yeah but back to back to mario i mean i think it'll be a huge hit i think it'll do extremely well but at the same time i'm I'm still looking forward to it. I just I, I it, it's almost like when I watch Avatar and I hear Sigourney Weaver's mouth come out of this like teenage girls, uh, you know, this teenage characters, you know, uh, mouth. And I'm like, there's a disconnect there. Something's yeah. not working for me. And I already get the sense of that here just based on the trailers alone.
1: It's going to be a huge deal there, of course, opening the whole Mario world at Universal Studios, I think. We're going to be saturated. Um, so we'll see if people, maybe everyone will reevaluate and Chris Pratt does an amazing job. We'll have to eat our words. <laughs> we'll see.
0: I love how hopeful and optimistic you are about this.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about, you mentioned DC. I want to ask you about Flash, which mm-hmm. is coming out and the whole Ezra Miller thing. And what do you make of this? And what are people? <sighs> what is the audience going to make of this?
0: I, I think they should have abandoned it Um, I think that the DCEU is and has been for many years in the shitter and they are doing everything they can to salvage it. But at the same time, I just don't think it can be salvaged at this point. It is such a mess over there, um, everything that they've been trying to do. And I just don't understand why they don't realize that they just need to go back to the drawing board, square one and start over. Um, It's something that is actually given, you know, Ezra Miller and they just had
1: a tremendous amount of accusations and legal problems. And I mean, yeah, probably know that, but in case, yeah.
0: And, and and you want to talk about, like you said before, you know, having to do press to sell a movie, they're not going to have them on the press tour doing anything like that. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I think that once the Batgirl news came out and that got shelved, and this was still continuing to go on despite these problems uh it just put a bad taste in my mouth and i could i couldn't care less about the movie at this point
1: sources i've had dc would say that apparently it's really good whatever cut they've seen
0: uh good for them i guess yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I it doesn't make the bad behavior go away um and i i think it's sending a poor message uh you Know, I understand there are other people that worked on the film, and that's going to obviously be the counterpoint that everyone brings up. Oh, we should not let this one individual's actions impact the rest of us and all the work that we put into it, which I do agree with, but that doesn't mean I have to be excited or interested.
1: One more in this sort of category How do you feel about the Marvel's Nia Da Costa directing?
0: Uh, I, I, yeah, no, um, I'm at a point with Marvel where I'm frustrated i don't like that it has evolved into this how do i say almost like type of homework where i have to watch everything on disney plus now in order to understand certain exchanges lines of dialogue and things that are happening i i understand that it's not usually the entire plot of a movie Uh, But at the same time, there are certain scenes that I think are just completely extraneous and not needed to tell the overall story. I I think a lot about Wakanda Forever and what a better film that would have been if everything involving Martin Freeman and Julie Louis-Dreyfus was just not there. So that's been a point of frustration, as well as um, the fact that there are no stakes in this universe. Uh, People die, they come back, there's... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No stakes whatsoever. And that is something that uh once again has like kind of pushed me increasingly to just be very lukewarm now on these movies. I still liked Wakanda Forever quite a bit, mostly out of respect, uh, because of what they were able to achieve in the wake in the aftermath of uh Bozeman's yeah, passing. A tough, mm-hmm. tough but I wasn't a fan of multiverse of madness, um, door, door, love and thunder. I actually, you know, I, I will be first to admit, I didn't think it was good, but I was entertained by it. Uh, through all of it's like kind of silliness. Um, so that's like a rare case where it's like, I'm not going to argue with anyone that wants to tell me that that movie wasn't good. I, I, I kind of agree. Um, and then before that, I liked Shang-Chi, um, but then there are a couple of others in there, like Eternals. I wasn't really too high on, but I know that that one has like a mixed reaction from a lot of people. Some people love it, some people don't. Uh, so with everything coming up this year, you know, Ant Man, I'm sure Ant Man will be fine uh, as long as it doesn't get too into the weeds with its like multiverse plot line. Uh, Guardians, I think will probably be uh, one of the better ones. Uh, yeah, Nia Costa great filmmaker, excellent storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was a movie I really didn't like on the whole, but I liked her direction of it. Um, so, I mean, like, I'm optimistic, but also at the same time, these are just not movies that I'm particularly interested in.
1: Well, let's move on to two incredibly iconic characters that I can't wait for. And the first one is Nicolas Cage as Dracula in Renfield, <laughs> which is supposedly coming out in April.
0: to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
1: Nicholas Holt, who I think is really funny, you really like him, is um, playing Renfield and Cage is Dracula. Um, Renfield is the famous henchman, um, I guess we could call him, and this is a script based on Robert Kirkman, which is exciting. I can't wait. Naquafina. Um, I think this has a lot of potential.
0: Oh, I think so too. Totally. I also think that... Um, I, I think that Nicholas Holt is one of our most underrated comedic actors right now. I think he's absolutely hilarious in movies like The Favorite, The Menu. He's great on the great. And so getting a chance to see him here opposite Nick Cage I'm sure will be a lot of fun. Um and Nick
1: Cage has been good as vampires before. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god, yes. Um t- the tone will be very important. Like who, like who are they marketing this towards? And that that'll that'll determine for me if it's you know, up my alley or not obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the other iconic character I was referring to is, of course, Harrison Ford. Coming back is Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. James Mangold directing, who did Logan and Ford v. Ferrari. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, one of my favorites in it, and Mads Mikkelsen. There's been a lot of talk about the de-aging of Harrison Ford. Are you worried or looking forward?
0: Looks good. As far as I can tell, um, I didn't think that the de-aging was distracting or anything. I think they've gotten to a point where the technology is actually not, you know, it's its not perfect. I don't think it's going to be perfect for a couple of years because human faces are just so tough to replicate uh, in CG, whether you're doing a deep fake or whatever it is you're trying to pull off here with reference points. Um, I think even something like Martin says he's the Irishman, which had moments where it looked good. There were other moments where it didn't. So its it's a very... It's a very interesting time right now for digital de-aging. And yeah, those were definitely the scenes that caught my eye the most in the trailers. Uh, but at the same time, I think what I'm most looking forward to here is seeing what a Indiana Jones movie feels like without Steven Spielberg directing it. James Mangold is one of the most versatile uh, directors working today in the studio system. I feel like he could do any genre, any story. And if they told him, Hey, we want you to do Steven Spielberg. We we don't want you to put your own stamp on this. Um, That's kind of sad in a way, but also at the same time, he doesn't really like have a directorial stamp. Like I said, he's extremely malleable he so and can, right? Yeah. And we you know what he does. He makes good movies. That's what he ultimately delivers on. So, I have a feeling we're all going to watch this and it's going to feel like Steven Spielberg, but obviously not be directed by Steven Spielberg. And that's just because James Mangold can really mold his directorial style into whatever is being asked of him.
1: Do you think this is going to be a you know big audience draw? I was a bit surprised. I thought Top Gun Maverick was going to do well, but that it was mm-hmm. going to do that well, I was a bit surprised over. Do you think Indiana Jones is going to be, you know, will the kids come see this?
0: It's really tough because Kingdom of Crystal Skull wasn't the most well-received movie. It's been a couple of years since then, though. So there's an opportunity here to reclaim some of that audience back. I I think that fans of this franchise will definitely be forgiving and will be willing to give it a shot. Um, Beyond that, though, I mean, yeah, it's going to depend on if the reviews are good and the word of mouth is great. If the word of mouth is Like it was with Kingdom of Crystal Skull where it got, you know, respectable reviews, but then the word of mouth wasn't that good. I don't think it'll do well at all. And I have a feeling it could even perform below expectations because we just might be at a point, generationally speaking. Where this movie is appealing to an older generation that's just not interested in going back to the movies, and the young kids may not have that same attachment to Indiana Jones as a character that they're not so willing to go out right away and see it either. And if the word of mouth is just okay, then I think this has potential to perform below expectations.
1: Well, we'll see. The one who always seems to perform over-expectations is Cruise, who we've mentioned a few times here. And of course, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is coming out this part of the year, Part 2, apparently, in 2024. We've already seen the teaser film he put out with the what was called the world's most difficult stunt, where he jumped a motorcycle over an incredible cliff in Norway. What about this? Are people going to flock to Mission Impossible again?
0: Yes, because Fallout was such a banger, I think. Um, I think that Cruz is definitely riding a nice wave of goodwill right now with Top Gun Maverick, which I also think is going to continue uh, at this year's Academy Awards a few months before the release of Mission Impossible. Um, I feel that audiences are at a point where the reason why Top Gun Maverick did so well, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot, yes, it's an old fashioned story that was very easily digestible that's a part of it for sure but i really do think that subconsciously audiences want to see nuts and bolts filmmaking and stuff that was done for real in camera versus just wholly created within a computer um i i definitely think that disconnect is starting to show itself a lot more avatar is interesting because avatar obviously yes created in a, in a computer but i think people know and understand that so much of that is shot uh on a set for real in, in and in some cases yeah like they, in some cases like does it need to be done this way probably not but cameron is just like trying his best to capture as much realism as he can um and with you know this this is going to obviously feature uh practical stunts and have a big scale to it it's also part one of the final mission impossible film so as long as it gets good reviews especially if it gets reviews like the way that fallout did um i definitely think this will be one of the bigger uh films of the year potentially not as big as top gun maverick but pretty good because mission impossible always does respectable business but it doesn't it, it it's not the same level as something like maverick but very very few films are
1: mm-hmm. Yeah
0: so another one that i'll uh mention here would have to be you know we oh man we already talked about that actually um you know i gotta say i was a pretty pretty big fan of the last scream film i really enjoyed the hell out of what uh matt Pettinelli, open and Tyler gillett uh brought to that i really also enjoyed their previous film ready or not and so, seeing that they're returning back here again with uh, Melissa Barrera also returning, Jenna Ortega, who I think is just on a hot streak oh right my now. Gosh,
1: so, you should, I have an eight year old who's an absolute nut. He is crazy about Jenna Ortega. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: he one, one thing be that.
1: that one though. It's a little too young. But.
0: Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. But, like, the one thing that is a bit of a bummer is obviously uh, no Sydney Prescott, no Dev Campbell. That is extremely unfortunate. But at least we get Courtney Cox in this one. Um, either way, I, I, I I was so impressed with the last movie and in a way that it reinvigorated my, uh, love for the franchise. And I'm hoping that they could continue to do some really cool things. The fact that the marketing is also centering, uh, so much around New York as a New Yorker is particularly humorous to me. So yeah, uh, we'll see what it has in store. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to recapture, uh, some of the magic of the last film because, There was a nice gap in between the fourth film and the fifth film. This one's coming out a year later since the fifth film. So it's possible that it might feel a little bit like a retread in some ways, but uh, I'm still looking forward to it. I've always loved these movies.
1: I just want to mention here, I don't know a lot about it, so I can't talk a lot about it, but Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's film is Mm. supposedly coming in June and I always always wait for wes anderson i know that tom hanks is in it and a whole plethora of incredible actors just gonna mention that one mafia mama in april i think is going to be fun have you heard of this
0: i've heard the title but remind me again
1: Tony Collette stars an American as an American woman who inherits her grandfather's mafia empire in Italy. And oh Monica God. Bellucci's in it. And Tony Collette is just brilliant. And I just think this is going to be a blast. There could be, could be potential to be really fun.
0: I love Tony Collette. I'm here for anything that she wants to do. Exactly. Uh, the premise sounds like a lot of fun. Who's directing it again?
1: Um, I think it was.
0: Oh, it's Catherine Hardwick. Exactly. Yeah. So. That could be a lot of fun.
1: And lastly, of course, have to mention, since we're sort of doing July out, and that's Oppenheimer, of course, um, Christopher Nolan's film about the American scientist, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and the development of the atomic bomb. Incredible cast in this, Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Kenneth Branagh, Gary Oldman, and that was just like the first part of the list, What do you think of this? I mean, I think this could, I think it's going to be a great movie, but it can go either way in terms of if audiences go and see it.
0: I mean, I have no doubt it's going to be good. I'm mostly excited for the fact that Killian Murphy uh, finally has a lead role again. uh, That I think he's one of our more underrated, underutilized actors. So I'm very happy for him being in this position. The cinematography by Hoyt Van Hoytema, what we've already Mm -hmm. seen in the trailers, uh, is particularly great overall
1: and another one working with practical effects as you were mentioning
0: yep yeah Uh, christopher nolan detonating an atomic weapon okay (laughs) i i really hope that because i have a feeling they're not going to show that in any of the trailers or anything like that so i i'm uh i'm just hopeful that if they're going to build up to it so much that it delivers and if it doesn't deliver that the story itself the journey of this character and what he went through, uh, not so much in the lead up to dropping the atomic bomb and the development of it, but the aftermath of it. I really hope that that story can resonate, especially if the bomb explodes, it's all captured in camera and audiences just kind of go, oh, that's it. Like we've seen explosions before. Yeah. So, you know, Well, what, what what can this be that it's so awe-inspiring? You know what I mean? Like that's that's the part that I think is going to be a bit of a struggle for him to accomplish but i know better than to doubt christopher nolan
1: do you have anything else you want to mention for this first part i'm gonna get back to you next after july to talk about dune and all our expectations what's coming after <laughs> this
0: part. uh no you mentioned asteroid city which was the other one i was going to mention mm-hmm. uh we covered you know the blockbusters barbie oppenheimer the dual feature of the year obviously uh yeah, I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head right now.
1: What's going to be the surprise? What's going to be the Maverick that everyone goes to, do you think?
0: Well, I was going to say, do you I, like on paper is anything really a surprise? I mean, I even think people expect Top Gun Maverick to do well, but they, you know, obviously went above and beyond. So, that's a little tough to say. Um I, I think everything that we've mentioned so far has the potential to do great business. Uh, but hmm, anything that would like surprise, you know, I, I will say I think that cocaine bear uh, could do
1: <laughs> so too.
0: Cocaine bear could do some damage. <laughs> oh man the the uh, the, the... I'm trying to I'm trying to fit in a joke here about lines of coke and the lines to the theater right now, but it's not coming out.
1: (laughs) I see. It's a good point, though. Let's hope. that's true. Um, Well, I want to do four or five shows that we're looking forward to. Mm -hmm. I can run through mine that I've written and and you can comment on them. And then first of all, I I cannot wait for The Last of Us. Um, Yeah, that was that was one
0: of mine. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, Craig Mason coming back after Chernobyl to do this with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, lots of expectations. I think the the game itself is hailed and has such an incredibly powerful story of a father and daughter figure, I should say, um, in, in the pandemic type situation. The original writer, Nick Druckerman, he's highly involved. This could be big.
0: I'm very much looking forward to it. I think that Craig Mason, uh did some really incredible things with Chernobyl and uh, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal just seemed like such a winning pair oh, together. The trailers have been fantastic. Yeah, this is definitely uh, one of, if not my most anticipated of the year.
1: I think this could also be really important to the game adapt TV adaptation and film adaptations that haven't always been very good and have gamers who really immerse themselves in these games haven't really found that film or TV show that can do, give them, I mean, you can't get exactly the same, but even more elevate that experience and and for people who have never played the game to be able to get into it and feel mm. that it's a really good show. And I think this has so much potential. So I'm hoping that that will break through that barrier.
0: Well, the thing too, that I think is uh, very important here to note is that this is going to be a long form storytelling uh, medium for it. So that I think is going to actually help because I've always kind of felt like games you spend, you know, however long it is, 16, 24, 72 hours, whatever, trying to complete the story of a game. And so being able to take that and put it into a mini series, I think is so much more befitting than trying to squeeze it into a two hour theatrical movie.
1: I also have shrinking. Um, I don't know much about it. But I know that Harrison Ford, who hasn't done a lot for many years, suddenly is everywhere. He's in the mm-hmm. Yellowstone prequel in Indiana. This is about a grieving therapist. It's him and Jason Segel, Apple TV. I don't know much else about it. But that could be really interesting. Succession coming back. I mean,
0: that was never one just- of mine
1: for me <laughs> just sit there and wait for that
0: honestly like succession i think is i i think at this point some people are a little like kind of uh annoyed maybe by the fact that it keeps winning like all these emmys and stuff like i i i've heard some people grumble not because see. <laughs> no not me at all i love succession i'm obsessed with the shakespearean drama i also just find the writing to be so incredibly smart. I love all the characters on this show and all the performances by everybody. Yeah. It's easily one of my favorite shows going today. If not my overall favorite now that's currently on air. Um, And I I will admit the one thing I'm getting a little nervous about when it comes to succession is I think that they can only keep this up for so long where the kids are jockeying for a power position uh, with Logan at the top. There's only uh, for me, there's only two places that this show can go at this point. Um, I do think it's going to end after season five. So I do think that this will probably be the second to last season. Yeah. Yeah. So my prediction, I'm going to just say this right now I think we this season tape. yeah I think this season ends with Logan dying and the final season are the kids against each other
1: the, yeah the real succession mm-hmm. interesting theory i think so too i i was worried last season about what you're talking about when, but when the, the season ended with the incredibly emotional two last episodes so where so good everything was just put in completely new light um I, I felt I'm not worried about the last two seasons I think they know what they're doing <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's a good theory let's see let's see if that works out. another one I'm looking forward to is Daisy Jones and the Six the show that follows the rise of a 70s rock band through the LA music scene. Riley Keogh, who I just think is a fascinating actor course elvis grandchild and suki waterhouse that one i'm really looking forward to i don't know if you know anything else about that one
0: no uh this is actually the first time i'm hearing about it but i think riley Keogh's uh, actually going to have a pretty decent year uh she had a film that premiered at can uh that i think got retitled uh but all but that should be coming out this year um i believe as well so uh see somebody to that uh, I, you know, I think we've all been following over the last couple always of years and always choosing very interesting projects. Yeah.
1: And the last one I wanted to mention is another actor I love, and that's Natasha Leon, who's in a series, <laughs> coming up in a series called Poker Face. And the reason I think this is something to watch is it's created by Ryan Johnson, of course, Knives Out, of Knives Out fame. And anything he touches at the moment is interesting. I think it's some sort of anthology series. How could where?
0: you not be excited, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doesn't that sound great? Like I, de- I think it's the- like a detective. She plays a detective. I think.
0: Yeah, I think they showed the. Well, is this on Peacock? I yes. can't remember. Yes, yes, I I remember watching the trailer for this, and just one of those moments where it's like, oh, Ryan Johnson, I, I'm there. Don't even need to say anything more.
1: And Stephanie Hugh, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in. Anything else in terms of TV the first half a year? I mean, there's so much. I mean, this was just a few things I wanted to mention to you, but yeah. sure.
0: So I don't know when it's coming necessarily, but um the fourth season of Barry I need to mention. I I don't know when it's coming, like I said, but that I, I, I thought the show just completely outdid itself with season three. And I can't for the life of me imagine where it's going next. Mm-hmm. Um, all I will continue to say about that show is I hate that each episode is only half an hour long <laughs> and it's only eight episodes. So it feels like it's over so fast every time it's on. Uh, so that's very, very. And then uh, the other one I'll mention too, as you can probably tell, I'm a big HBO fan. Uh, True Detective, Night Country.
1: Jodie Foster. Yes, Jody thank Foster you for mentioning that. That was, I had thought of it and forgot about it.
0: Barry Jenkins is executive producing it. Uh, Isa Lopez uh, from Tigers Are Not Afraid is show running it and directing it. Uh, Callie Reese uh, from Catch the Fair one is also in it as well. Um, You know, I I, listen, despite what everybody says about True Detective season two, season three, uh, I, I understand probably nothing will be as good as season one. But I like police procedurals. I like detective stories. So this is very much my jam. And I'm just really excited uh, given the talent involved.
1: Yeah, that group of people. I mean, how can how can they go wrong? Well, that's great, Matt. I, once again, this was so much fun to talk to you. Uh, as I said, I will absolutely call on you again um, the second half of the year because there are some biggies coming out. You mentioned um, Scorsese, Dune. We have a whole bunch of stuff that we have to talk about in TV and we'll see. And then we can do a little recap about how these ones did. Mm-hmm. And and for the listeners, of course, follow everything that Matt's doing over at Next Best Picture with his incredible team and all the podcasts, and you have so much going on. Thank you so much for coming back.
0: No, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun to talk about what um, any year in general, both on the big screen and the small screen has in store. And also uh, just a shout out to your listeners out there. We're part of the same podcast network, you and I. So
1: (laughs) evergreen, shout out to them. Yep. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging.